Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. The Philosophy Podcast is brought to you by Oxia Time, a cool watch company focused on university-branded watches. John Canaris is the founder of Oxia Time, and he was the goalie at Penn in the late 80s who led his team to the Final Four. John is actually best known for being the goalie that Gary Gate dunked on in the Air Gate. Oxia Time makes beautiful, Swiss-made, authentic watches whose design and quality match the essence of the universities they represent. I can attest to the quality of these watches. John hooked me up with a sweet Brown University Oxia watch, and I think it's the nicest thing I own. Initially licensed with eight Ivy League schools, Oxia keeps adding new schools each month. One of the coolest things Oxia offers is custom timepieces to commemorate championships or to celebrate storied teams. Check out the UVA Lacrosse Championship watch. It's sick. Princeton did a really nice one last year as well. Oxia even did an LSU football championship watch this year. For any teams interested in creating a custom watch this season, Oxia will upgrade it at no extra cost to a championship watch if your team wins a conference or national championship next year. For players, parents, and coaches interested in custom team watches, check them out at oxiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A-Time.com. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Philacrosophy Podcast. We're really excited to introduce Kevin Corrigan, head coach of Notre Dame, to the show. Kevin, awesome to have you on, man. Hey, Jamie, great to be here with you. I love talking lacrosse with you. Absolutely, man. It's always it's always a pleasure. It's always interesting, especially when um, when I'm driving across the country. <laughs> you know, you can always count on me to uh, call you from around um, somewhere in Illinois and be like, "Hey, KC, I'm I'm on my way across. You know, I might need a." Uh, I need a three by spot. A, a port in a storm. Yeah. Might, <laughs> might be a sandwich. It might be a three by three game. Yeah. We had a good time. Um, that was so fun at Notre Dame. We show up everybody and uh, um, Kevin's like, well, okay, Jerry's in town. I'll, I'll get him to come over. And we had my, you know, my three kids and me and you two guys, we played a mass game on the uh, parking lot outside the stadium. And we did. We hold- Jake Frame shows up. We have the dogs there. The dog setting picks. <laughs> setting set fruity picks on Jerry, taking him down. It was that was funny. That was yeah, a good. My dog Bailey is like 14 years old and he mumboed the crap out of Jerry. And Jerry went down. He fell down like a chain. And uh, the dog just like <laughs> he the most impressive thing was his was his Superman dive out of the window of the car to get involved. That that, that was the most impressive thing your dog did. No, that was Cliff. Cliff oh, that was Cliff. That was oh, yeah. My dog would have died on that. Cliff, Cliffy, Cliff made that. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> so, um, so Kevin, it's been uh, you guys are, are 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 back to actually semi normalcy at Notre Dame. We were talking about this, you know, before the before the show, but um, it's pretty awesome that you, the leadership in your in your uh, institution has really been able to kind of get things. Kind of normal, more normal than most programs. 
Yeah, I think I, I you know, I'm, the more I talk to people, the more I realize how lucky we are, uh, and 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 how honestly, you know, I said it earlier to you. I think our our leadership has been pretty courageous to to make some of the decisions that they've made and take on some of the risks that they did. Um, but in the most responsible way that, that they could have. I mean, the, the amount of planning, uh, the amount of resources that have gone into reopening our school and, and allowing our kids to have the most normal possible uh, experience right now is, is it's immense. It's, it's, a, it's been a, an amazing commitment. Um, but yeah, we're back on the field, Jamie, we're practicing, you know, and, and just like our school, we started, we had to, we had to, Go to in-person, uh, away from in-person classes for a couple of weeks when when there was a surge in positive tests and kind of a, a re restructuring, recommitting by everybody to to wanting to be there and 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 doing the things necessary to make that happen. We had the same thing kind of happen within our team. We had to, to step back for about ten days, um, and since that time we've we've gone forward. And and you know it, it's just like you said, it's just great to have that that two hours, a, a sense of normalcy, you know, aside yeah. from the coaches wearing masks and having hand whistles, um, you know, it's, it's really, you know, the players are playing and, and they were doing the things that we'd be doing in fall ball right now. So it's terrific. So great. Well, I want to talk a little bit about, you had a lot of time as we all did in, in quarantine through March, April, May with the depression of no season and, and into the summer where you just couldn't travel and be on the road like you could. How did you use that time to sharpen the saw, as they say? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, it, it's, I, I love to read. And so, you know, I was doing a lot of different reading, um, you know, and, and, uh, and, and, I, and honestly, um, you know, my dad was, was always in, in college athletics, Jamie, and, and, and he always said that, that a great thing for coaches would be to have a, a sabbatical, um, you know, a three or four month sabbatical about once every seven to 10 years and, and, and just to take time off, to get away from it, to get away from the intensity. He was also a realist and worked in the business and knew that that wasn't really possible. You know, I mean, you just yep. can't, you can't do that because of the nature of recruiting and everything else and managing your team and everything. There wasn't really a time when that, when that would, could, could happen. Um, but I took it as something of that, you know, to be honest with you, I, I knew we, from the, you know, that, or at least it just seemed pretty apparent to me that they weren't going to open up the dead period at any point during the summer. Um, and, and, uh, and, and given the nature of everything that they, you know, there are a lot of reasons for not doing that, but I just didn't think that was going to happen at all. So I said, all right, we're, you know, we're going to have until the kids come back to school at the very least uh, with a reduced workload. Um, you know, the, there's certainly a lot of things we could do and we did do, but I also took some time every day and, and, you know, started exercising started, you know, I had, I had my whole family here. So, so, you know, we, we had a, you know, for 10 straight weeks, Jamie, we had dinner together every single night. And, and that was a production. That was a, that was usually a, a somewhere between two and four hour uh, extravaganza, uh, you know, and, and it was awesome. It was, yeah. it was a terrific time. And, and I enjoyed every second of that. And, you know, I think there's always something to be said for being in the moment that you're in. Right. And, yeah. and you know, we, we didn't sit around talking about what we weren't doing. Uh, yep. We just enjoyed what we were. You know what we found? I found the same thing uh, during that time, having all three of my kids home. Nobody was really asking to go do anything else. It wasn't even a, a, a question. You just weren't. And uh, we, you know, they had classes and we played sports every day. We'd play sports at around 12. You know, that was like our <laughs> recess. We'd play from like 12 to two. We'd play a little lacrosse. We'd play a lot of hoops. 
a lot of battles, you know, Colin and I were definitely like at each other's throats quite a bit and Emily and Lucy, oh my God, classic, classic battles. Um, but man, it was, uh, it, it was a, a, a make the best of it situation that ended up being, you know, memorable. Uh, but what were some of the books that you read? What are some of the people you've talked to? Some of the Zoom calls, can you think of some things that you can share with us that were, that sort of uh, been making you think a lot? Yeah, you know, I've, I've, I, I just picked up again to reread some parts of, of a Doris Kearns Goodwin um, uh, book on leadership and turbulent times. And, and it's about, you know, four great leaders who, who led during turbulent times and uh, uh, Lincoln, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, FDR, um, and, and, um, and, and it's just about, well, there's one more, I'm drawing a blank right now, but um, it, it just talks about, you know, through the, the different things that they went through, uh, the things that, that were formative to them in, their, in the young part of their life, um, and, the, and the things that were, uh, the, the, and how that kind of played out in, in when, when they found themselves in the middle of, of crises, you know, and, and I just thought it was an interesting book, particularly to read during this time and to, and to see, you know, what, what are the formative experiences of our leaders now and, and how is that playing out, you know, in, in, in terms of, of helping lead through a crisis. So uh, I, I thought it was very good and, and, uh, and also informative for me to think about you know, our, our program to think about our guys. Um, you know, one of the things I think a lot, I've talked to a lot of coaches and I think a lot of us enjoyed the time to connect with our teams um, and, and connect with them on different things, uh, you know, just personally to, to worry about them and how they were doing their mental health as they, you know, lost a season or lost their senior year or whatever. Uh, talking to guys, you know, real intensely about what their plans were for the next couple of years, because some people had to, had to be, you know, considering what readjustments they wanted to make, talking to them about the social justice issues that have come up and become so much a part of, of, of the national conversation, but, it, but, but certainly, you know, on campuses, uh, you know, something that's, that's very much uh, alive right now. Um, and, and something that I think is immensely important and, and uh, maybe, you know, kind of developing a, a sensitivity to things that, that, that aren't, aren't on our radar screen every day because we're fortunate enough that they don't have to be, but that's not the reality for a lot of people. And how do, how do we make sure that we, that we keep those things in our, in our consciousness and, and, and are respectful of, of those kinds of things. So there's just a, there, you know, a lot of things going on, right. It's been an interesting time. And, and, you know, so I don't, I don't look at it as a time where nothing was going on. I look at a time with a lot of different things going on, a lot of different things brought to the forefront that they get lost in the day to day. uh, You know, sometimes when, when more, when more is going on in our personal or professional lives and so forth. You know, um, you always hear people say like, you know, kids these days, kids these days, I've been saying that forever, right? You know, millennials, I gotta say, I think this generation is kind of amazing. I, I, I guess maybe because I got three kids in this generation. So maybe I, I'm, I'm biased, you know, but I think they're hard workers. I think they, they, they are watching, you know, they're watching things go on that they don't agree with. Uh, and, and I think they, they keep trying to work hard and do the right things. I mean, I'm pretty amazed by, you know, even the way they handled this pandemic and the way they've, they've gone about their lives. Um, and I feel really bad that they've lost so much key time and their, their attitudes have been remarkably good about it. I think you're right. And, and, and I think they are showing some courage. And I think they're also being formed by this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is, this is going to be, listen to, you know, the, the people of our 
what we refer to as our greatest generation were formed by the, the depression. They were formed yep. by World War II. They were, you know, they, they were, they were, they were formed by the events that, that they lived through um, in, in their formative years. And, and, and these guys will be too. Um, but they also have an amazingly, an amazing and, and refreshing ability to look at, at, at us and our generation sometimes and go, what are you even talking about? Like yeah. LGBTQ rights. What are, you, what are you even talking about? Why why is that an issue to you? What what business is that of yours and 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 in somebody else's life and 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 those kinds of things where they just I think bring a you know a, 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 the right sensitivity to it sometimes just by being kind of like I don't I don't even understand what the issue is. That's not your business kind of kind right. of approach. Uh, you know, and, and the same thing with social justice issues, just to be like you know I don't understand you know what what are we talking about here? You know, and 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 certainly for you. For, for guys my age, you know, who, who remember back to when, when, you know, the 60s and, and, and things and, and you think, wow, are we really still, you know, litigating these things? Are we really still, are these still, is, is these issues still as current as they are right now? And it's, that's, that's distressing, um, you know, so, so it's nice to see the, that, our, that young generation that you're talking about be on board with, yeah, let's, let's, let's make changes here and let's make permanent changes. Yeah, no doubt. It's really interesting and it's uh it's it's inspiring um all right switching gears one of the things i've always loved to talk with you about is full field lacrosse whenever i go to a notre dame practice which has been a fair amount of times over the years probably like five or ten times i'm always so impressed with your full field practices the full field the intensity the iq if you're going to advise a high school coach or a young coach or an assistant coach, I feel like the full field game is one of the biggest mysteries. How, how would you start sort of explaining this to somebody and how to like, how and why to make this a priority? You know, it's interesting. I've had to think about that a lot this year. You know, we have five guys uh, who, who are graduate transfers into our program. Right. And, and, um, and, and they came from good programs, you know, from good coaches and everything else. But if we want them to share our vision of how the game is played, uh, I think we have to be smart about how we explain it to them. And, 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 and you know, because it, it, it's, it's new. It's a new way of thinking. It's a new way of doing things. And, and one of the things that I've been, been emphasizing, and, and, and we normally do anytime at this time of year, is to understand that any part of the game that you're working on, there's, 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 there's kind of three parts to it. The first part is intellectually understanding what you're being asked to do, right? Can you, can you talk about it and understand it in a way that says, yes, if this happens, then here are the possible reactions here. If, if you do this, here's the next set of circumstances, right? And understanding that from an intellectual standpoint, I can, I can look at a film with, with a player and he can tell me what each guy should be doing at, at, at a moment when I stop the film. What, what role is that guy in? Does he, you know, in that. Then there's the, the um, execution of what they understand, right? So, so there's, there's understanding it in an intellectual sense and, and, and being able to talk about it or write about it or, or show it to somebody. But then there's the the execution of it, athletically performing that act, understanding, you know, the 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 relationships of of, of people and things that they're looking at, um, you know, knowing the decision making of of when to go and when to show and when to, you know, where's your stick positioning and and that kind of thing, the 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 communication 
right, of, of what you're doing, of, you know, if you, if you understand all of this and you understand your role and do all that, then you need to be able to broadcast that so that you're making the people around you better and making their decisions easier. And, and so there's, there's those, those two pieces. And then the third piece is recognizing these situations as they, as they occur in a fluid game like the game of lacrosse. And to me, that's where you have to play the game to, to develop that part of the of the skill of, of the of the full acquisition of what you want somebody to do. If you do the first two things, then your guys are great drill players. Yeah. And they, can, and they can break down a film with you and execute something when they know exactly what they're supposed to be doing because you've told them, here's what the drill is, and here's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And they're like, oh yeah, I know how to do that. And I can do it in this drill right now because I see where I am and where I'm positioned in the drill and everything else. The problem is the game of lacrosse doesn't happen that way. It evolves in a, in a, in a million different iterations and you have to be able to recognize those and have an awareness of, of, you know, how one evolves to another, how, a, how a six on six, two man action in the corner turns into a backside two on one. And, and you have to be able to process through the six on six, the two man, the botch two man, forcing the slide, forcing the, transfer of the ball, forcing the rotation of the defense, forcing the two-on-one on the backside, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and you have to get to all that and then know how to execute everything from the two-man to the slide and recover to the two-on-one on the backside and, and, and either survive it or, to, or take advantage of it. So, so you know, those, those are the parts. You have, to, you have to play the game to do that. And, 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 and if we want to, to, with our team, take advantage of the athleticism, and the IQ of our guys, we want to make that 110 yards by 60 yards, not 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 narrow it down to the, the six on six tight inside the box play. We need to be able to do that as well. But but if that's all we did, we'd be missing out on some of the athleticism and, and our, our players ability to make plays and, and make decisions around the field. So we, we try to do things using the, 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 the full field, using our all our, our talents and everything else. And using that that understanding that there, if we have to do all three three all three of those parts of the game to be really good, we have to be able to do all three parts of, the, of that in, in any decision making capacity we put ourselves in. What would you say are the major principles of your ride? Um, one, one is that room and time can turn a ham bone into an all American, but but ball pressure can 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 make everybody job more difficult so you know if you don't have any ball pressure that you know teams are going to find the holes it's, it's a big field and and guys are really athletic and that so so the more time that they have to make decisions and the less pressure that they have physically on them um the better they'll make decisions so the the first part is that you know lacrosse is a decision making game if we're going to force teams to make decisions let's force them to make them with ball pressure and with and with time pressure and and then they won't be as effective at it so we, we work hard at, at, at different ways to either buy a little time or different ways to either to, to exert a little pressure do you always push i mean do you do you go do you play actually pressure 110 yards or sometimes you do you pick up a little bit softer to be able to condense the field absolutely and and again, based on what's going on, you know, I mean, what's what's the personnel on the field? What what you know, um, what's the depth of your team? You know, I mean, every team can't do it. You know, one of the things I've said about the PPL, 
I, I really liked that league this summer. I liked the rules that they played with. I thought, uh, you know, I thought it was a fun thing to watch and everything else. Um, you know, m the, the one thing I didn't like is the lack of riding and clearing. The basic, there are two basic reasons for it. One, they don't practice enough to, to right. become great at it. And, but more importantly, they just don't have enough players. They don't have enough depth. They wouldn't survive making it a 110 yard game, you know? Um, and, and so while it's a, while it's an up and down the field game that, that might make, make people think, well, what are you talking about? That game goes up and down faster than the college game. There's no play in between the lines. There's, yeah. there's, there's very little resistance in, in between there. Right. It's, it's more like playing basketball against a team that picks up at the top of the key. And, and so you, you know, you just like, you concede three quarters of the court to play the last quarter. Um, and that, and that's kind of what, what that game evolved into. And I think it's really just, they don't have enough people to be able to press more and play more middies and, you know, have, have reserve attackmen and, and people that could play against that kind of pressure and with that kind of pressure all game. One of the things that I've always uh, been interested in is something that you do. Um, and we talked about this on the um, riding and clearing webinar that we did uh, last, I think April. And it was awesome. But we were talking about, um, I was a drill. It, it's just like a goalie and three defensemen clearing it against three attackmen. Um, and what I thought was so cool that f really fits into what you're talking about is that, you know, one person has to, has to, you know, get on the goalie and then you try to figure out who's going to play the first pass. And then there's a third player who's going to try to split. And it's really interesting to watch that these guys rotate and change up their rotations on their own all the time. And I, I want to talk about that because that allows them to create, to sit, make decisions, change up different looks which is obviously incredible for your riding. It's also probably pretty great for your clearing too. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things is if I'm predetermining their decisions, that assumes that a guy catching the ball, a defenseman catching that little flare pass, a little banana cuts that they make initially, that, that assumes them catching that ball in the exact same place all the time. Yeah. Right. And the, and the point is that sometimes that guy comes up short and he's still inside the box when he catches that, that pass. Sometimes that guy um, breaks, you know, at an angle up the field and he's halfway up the box when he catches that. And other times right. he catches it below GLE. Um, and, uh, and, and sometimes the goalie throws a ball that has a little too much air underneath of it. And, and, and you can see it coming out of his stick that it's, 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 you know, and, and that, so, so if, if you were going to say that, all right, we're going to predetermine exactly how we're going to ride this every time you'd have to say, okay, only if we know every goalie's pass is going to be exactly the same. Only if we know these guys are going to go to the exact same spots and, and have that discipline and have that ability to, to do that every single time, the timing and everything else. Since that's all different, better than me making decisions on the sideline about how we are, we're doing that is giving our players the freedom understand what we're trying to do. We're either trying to buy time or we're trying to create pressure. And, and, and you're in charge of, of doing those two things and of making the decision about which one do you have a better opportunity to do right now, right? And if you can buy us some time, which means we can shift over and force another long redirect or something of that nature, great. But if you can get out there and, and meet the ball at that guy, uh, and, and put ball pressure on him and allow us to squeeze down and, 
and and now put that that decision making under duress by that guy that that's that's even better um but that's your decision on the field you you make that and and, and also by the way it might be related to the fact that you just had you know uh, uh, a possession a man up and, a, and another possession and now they've got the ball and you may be exhausted and, and so part you know so you, you might make a decision rather than doing something that i've told you you have to do right then you're going to make a decision about what you think is is the best play so there's there's a there's a trust involved the trust that we have in our players to make good decisions but also the trust that we're all on the same page about what we're trying to accomplish yeah, it's so smart. I love the way that you you put that with regard to like the situation is literally different every single time. And you can't, if you make people do stuff, then you're really making them put a, a square peg in a round hole. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it goes back to what we said before. Do you understand what we're trying to do? Do you know how to do it? And then can you be have play with an awareness and a recognition that allows you to, to, to recognize what is the best thing to do at that moment and, and, and to play that situation? I've thought a lot about this three-step process of, of processing what's happening around you, making a decision, and then executing the decision. And, and you kind of put a process even before that of understanding the whole picture through film and stuff like that, which I think is really interesting. But in the end, when you're out there, it doesn't matter whether you're playing offense or defense, riding, clearing, whatever, you have to recognize, like you said, what's happening. You're going to have to make a decision to do something, and you're going to have to execute that decision with a technique or a skill or an action. Um, and the way that you guys are leaving it up to the players to process and change it up and figure it out is brilliant. Um, I, I know that defensively, you know, you've always done this too. Um, there was a time, and this probably still exists, but there was definitely a time 15 years ago when everybody was like, don't slide to 13, always slide to 18. Remember that? And oh, it was yeah. just like, it was, it was the, it was the, uh, it was, it was yeah. what? It was very prescriptive. It was. It was very prescriptive, um, and it took the decision-making out of it for the players. It was like, we're always going to slide to this guy. We're never going to slide to this guy. And um, and I remember you, you know, I was a young coach trying to learn, and I just, I, I remember you talking about, like, no, no, we, we never do that. We are going to slide based on whether we think you're beat or not, and we're going to be ready to go. And it's really the same concept, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, once the players understand now, do, does that mean that you don't slide as much to 13 as you do to 18? Yeah. Because 13 is not as likely to beat a man, right. Or whatever. So you, you, you can add in some scouting to it, you know, and, and all that, but, but, but we never sell them. We're not sliding to that guy. You know, we, we just say, Hey, you know, he's, he has trouble beating uh, a pole or whatever, you know, so, so don't be too quick you know, make sure you're reading what's going on because he, he, you know, we, we think that matchup is a good one for us. So, so we, we, you know, you, you certainly add as much nuance to it as you can when you're going into particular games. Right. And when everybody is just trying to draw slides, you know, and that's their goal, it makes it a little easier for them when they know, you know, this guy, we're not sliding to this guy when you figure that out, or if you're always sliding to this guy, and then all of a sudden you're sliding when nobody was beat and, and, and you're basically opening up yourself for backside actions. Um, when you play Notre Dame, you never really, you, you, you can't know. 
it's different every time. And the players will make some mistakes along the way too, which would give you false information actually. Like, oh, they're not going. Oh yeah, they were supposed to go. They just didn't go. But that's that, but that, but the thing is they don't keep making the same mistake, right? They, they start to figure it out. And that's a really cool part of the way your defense works too. Yeah, yeah, hope so. You, know, <laughs> you hope they don't keep making the same mistakes. <laughs> what about um, how do you apply this concept to offense? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I guess it's 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 simple as going back to the fundamentals of, of being a good offensive player. I mean, you know, I, I and and I'm I'm kind of simple. I like to group things in threes a lot, you know. But you know, guy runs at you with the ball. Doesn't matter what the offense is. Guy runs at you with the ball. You can clear pick or fade. Those are your options. You know, you can't you you can play the game for a hundred years and still only need those three options when a guy runs at you with the ball. Um, you know, if you do, if you, if you recognize which one should happen at that time and do it correctly, you're going to, you're going to put the defense in the worst possible position you can put them in. That means it's going to result in a goal. Just means you're putting them in the most difficult position you can. Um, you know, when you catch a ball, uh, you know, on, on a, uh, in a, on a skip pass or, or a step down kind of situation, you're triple threat, you know, I mean, you, you've got to be ready to catch that ball and dodge, catch that ball and shoot, catch up on and, and pass. And, and, you know, that, that's a, you know, that's, there's footwork involved. There's, there's body positioning there's everything else, but there's also the awareness that I'm catching the ball with a, with an approach coming and I've got these options and, and, and then how do I execute them? So, so, you know, in, in, in some ways you, you run offense to get those little things to, to happen and then to get your players to react correctly and, and appropriately in that, in that moment. And, and if you do both of those things, then you're going to have your, 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 your prescribed action is going to have field balance. It's going to, it's going to dictate that there's some field balance. It's going to dictate that there's, that there's, um, you know, backups for shots and that there's, you know, people getting behind the ball in case you lose it or, or turn it over or go a quick, you know, a clean save or any of those kinds of things. But your, your unscripted stuff is, is, is what's going to ultimately determine whether the possession ends up, in, in, in a goal or, or an opportunity, because that's where the magic's going to happen in those little decisions that players make, you know, and, and, you know, every, you know, the, the, the pumping and to freeze a, a defense as you come off of a two man and those little things that they can, they, again, you're just trying to, you're trying to create little cracks in the defense, little things that make yeah. guys jobs harder. And, and then do you have some guys who can take advantage of that? Little, little advantage, big advantage. Yeah. Um, how does deception play into your processing of, of the, or, or your vision of the game? Yeah, you know, that's, that's really a good question. And, 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 and I guess it's, it's, it's a tough one. Cause you know, you, you want to create as much deception as you can. Um, and, and, but, but again, you don't want to become too, too regimented in about exactly how you're doing it, uh, then it's then it's not very deceptive, right? So, so, so you want to be adamant about doing little things well that 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 create deception. Um, you know, learning how to play in the two man. Are you seesawing underneath of that guy? Are you are you setting a hard pick? Are you setting up a, a beasting backside pick? Are you slip cutting as you you know as as the guy gets close to the pick and. And, and what are your cues for which one of those you're, you're going to do at any one time? Um, you know, so there, there's just a lot of, um, 
uh, a lot of those those little decisions that that yeah well done well done done well by a player who really understands them and does them well creates a ton of deception right I mean the, the defense just doesn't know what to do and the more you know as, as we just talked about a second ago with defense listen they need to be able to communicate they need to be able to to, to you know be in the right position to, to be athletically prepared and to communicate what's going to happen and if you're deceptive you're you're making all three of those things harder to do you know, you're, yeah. you're, you're, the guy's not sure what position he wants to be in. He's not sure of whether he should communicate, pick on the left or pick on the right, or that there's a guy underneath of him or what, you know, what, what, when does he start saying what? So even if, even if it's good communication delayed, there's a little deception involved that, that, that makes it harder oh. for him to react. And so, so yeah, there's, the, it's a very valuable tool. I mean, deception, there's no question about that. And, and the question is how to get to it, how to make it part of every player's game. You know, and more more than here's how we're going to fool them, because you don't want you know I I say to our team all the time, look after the third game of the year, you know we're not fooling a lot of people with the yeah. things that we run. We're fooling them with the way that we run them, you know, and and the 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 nuance and, and ability that we run it with. But but everybody's got film, and all the good coaches out there, you know, they know what we're doing. Yeah. The question is, can we do it in a way that makes it hard for them to defend it anyway? Yeah. And the stuff that's like, you know, it's, it's the everyday stuff, you know, it's, it's, it's your posture, you know, it's, it's lifting your hands up to get their stick up in the air. It's selling go when you're moving the ball. It's, it's pretending you're doing nothing. How about just pretending you're like literally doing nothing and then you just take off. I mean, the smartest players are the most deceptive players. Well, you know, you and I are old enough to remember club lacrosse, right? Yep. And the beauty of club lacrosse was, Unlike the pro league right now, where I give those guys credit, they work extremely hard, you know, to keep in shape and, and be in shape and have a stick in their hand year round and all that. And I'm not saying club guys didn't do some of that, but most club guys were just guys that loved to get out on a Sunday afternoon and play lacrosse. And that was their one chance to play. Yep. And, and, and they weren't working out in the winter preparing for club lacrosse season. You know, they were, they might've been playing basketball or doing something else to have fun, but they weren't. There weren't really there weren't a lot of guys who were like gearing up for the club lacrosse season to the same extent that you see in the pros now. But as a result, guys were left to to rely on their wits mm -hmm. uh, when they got out there. They had they would they didn't have great conditioning. They didn't have that same step that they had in college. Their stick show, skills might not have been as sharp, although they weren't bad, at, at, you know, usually. But they were they were tremendously deceptive. They, yeah. they were tremendous at, 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 at doing all these little things that you're talking about, looking like they're tired and then bursting into a space and, yeah. and, and things like that, you know, that, 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 you know, you just see, you saw great lacrosse plays being made by those guys and, and you realize the value of all that stuff. Right. Totally. Uh, I remember a conversation in around 1995 with Gary Gate and you know me, I'm always asking questions. And I was like, hey, Gary, what is your go-to move? Like, what, what are your, your favorite, if, you know, dodges? Like, I want to learn something. And he was like, um, pretty much just wait for somebody to overplay me. And then I beat them. <laughs> and at the time, I was not like, that wasn't the answer I was looking for. I wanted something concrete. I wanted something new, you know. But then 25 years later, I'm like, man. That was so profound because really he's a master of deception, Gary Gate. And he had the physicality to, to run you over and run by you and all that stuff, you know, but, but it just has really gotten me into the, the, the thinking of the fact that 
baiting somebody is probably better than beating them. And you, there's a lot of ways to make it happen. But the reason why is that when you turn it into, I'm going to beat you, it's a, it's a me against you battle that you're going to be as prepared for as possible. And meanwhile, your whole defense behind you will be too. But if you can figure out a way to turn that into you overplaying me and other people not knowing, that is where the brilliance of, of, of the game is. Um, well, when, and, you think of, when you think about that, one is pitting your strength against their strength. The other is pitting your strength against their weakness. So anytime you can pit your strength against their weakness, that, that's got to be a better, a better fight. Totally. We're going, back to Sun Tzu now. we're going back to Sun Tzu now, Jimmy. Uh, you know, Jamie, we're, 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 we're... <laughs> we, we absolutely are. Um, all warfare is deception. Sun Tzu, that's <laughs> cool. um, but, but it's so interesting. And I've been thinking about this a lot. And, and I, I went back and watched a video the other day of Pat Spencer. That guy was the ultimate baiter, honestly, like, because people were sliding so fast to him. He, he never really tried to beat anybody unless Unless he was looking, if he took the ball in, I remember looking at a, 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 the Penn State quarterfinal game where he went the one clip during this whole highlight video where he like ran by his guy and scored. But every Penn State helmet was turned around. You would have, Pat Spencer would have seen the back of every helmet. So he just went to the rack. But virtually every other time, every, everyone's looking at him. And all he's really doing is waiting for somebody to overplay him or waiting for a double team to overplay and it's just absolutely brilliant. He was not trying to beat people because if he did, he would have run into traffic and he had to slow down to do it. And uh, think it, about all the games that, that you showed me, you know, as we were, yeah. you know, getting together before this and, and, and you were, you know, talking about all these fun games that you're playing in three by and five by and three yep. by half field and this, that, and the other. Um, Pat Spencer played all those games in basketball. He, he, he understood exactly. that better than anybody. And, and, and that's a, that's transitive stuff that he got from being a great basketball player totally. uh, that, that he, that he brought to the lacrosse field. Every bit. If you really think about it, it's all about control. Can you control your defender? Can you control other defenders? And, and likewise, I mean, on defense, you know, can you control your matchup? Can you bait somebody into making a pass, but control is, is what it's more about. And what I think we've all kind of, it, it kind of goes back to your, the statement you made during riding and clearing where you're like, all right, if you give somebody a prescription on what to do, they're basically going to try to all the time, they're going to fit, they're going to be trying to fit a, a square peg in a round hole. And the same thing happens with skills. If you basically say in this situation, you need to do this, then every situation is different. You, you can't actually say that, that because there's, there's a lot of ways to kind of get it done. As a, a great quote I saw read the other day from John Posner, uh, there's a mil thousand ways to get your left, right? I mean, you know, it's there's a lot of ways to do stuff. Um, and when you kind of go back to this concept of, of, of deception and baiting and control, there's endless ways to do it. You can do it with a jab. You can do it with your eyes. You can do it with your posture. You can do it with your stick. And you're doing that while you're doing it with the other players out there. And it's essentially like non-verbal communication that you're doing to control people. And, and to me, that's what it's kind of all about as far as that ability to process, make decisions and execute. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, think, think about, you know, all the time guys spend um, developing a great shot or, or whatever. And, and, and then how much relatively little time they spend 
figuring out how many different ways can I use my shot to set up the other things that I need to be able to do to be a great offensive player, right? Yeah. How, how, how do I use that most effectively? You know, and, you know, the, the, the other quote that comes to mind is, if, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. You know? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. so you need to bring all the tools to the, to, the, to the thing so that you can, you know, use it a lot of different things. If, you know, if you only have one tool and that's your big shot, then, you know, you need, you need to develop some other things to become a great player. You can be a great shooter, but you can't be a great player. Yeah, because it's pretty much it's all about it's all about setting up. It's all about setting things up, right? The whole game is setting up. And if you're a really good player, that's what you do. And the more that coaches tell you what to do, the less you're going to actually do that. And so the more you work on a skill or a particular technique or a particular fundamental, it, it, it can actually hold you back that way. Um, watch, watch the NBA guys right now. They're, those guys are so good. You know, I mean, that, that, there's so many great players in that league, and I love watching NBA basketball this time of year. A little, little shout out to my brother, uh, you yeah. know, who, who's who's in the bubble there doing those games with 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 uh, ABC. But but the um, you know, the, there's so many great players, and and those guys, you know, they 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 can do everything, right? I mean, what what can't uh, you know a, a LeBron James or a Jimmy Butler do? I mean, they 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 apply themselves to a game. And I saw a thing this morning where LeBron James, they asked him like, well, what are you going to prepare? What are you going to be ready to do, you know, in, in game four that you, you know, based on what happened last game. And he's like, well, I can't play last game again. Like I, I'm going to be prepared to make the decisions in this game that need to be made the same way I try to do for every game. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to worry about last game, you know, other than what I can learn from it, you know, but I've got to be able to bring so that, so that I don't come in with some idea that I'm going to make things happen during the game. I'm going to take advantage of the things that happen during the game and, and make those decisions based on being prepared and being prepared is, is what he does looking at the last few games and not, not only his opponent, but it's also the work he's done, you know, to have that body, to be able to shoot the ball, to, to be able to drive and do the different things he can do and feed. And I mean, you know, so you see a guy like that who can go from leading the league. I mean, Listen, if he he's led the league in assists, he's led the league in scoring. If he wanted to leave lead the league in rebounding, he would do that too. If that was important to him, he would do that. If leading the league in steals was important to him and important to his team winning, you know, then then he would do that too. I mean, he he's just you know he's created that kind of a of a thing. And and there are a lot of those guys. I mean, Jimmy Butler, you know, says the same thing. I don't care about the stat line. I just care about did we win or not. So I'm I'll do whatever it takes for us to win. If that means I have to score forty, then I guess I'll do that too. Yeah, it's incredible the way that they process, the way they, their deceptiveness, their decisions, and obviously their skill, stuff they're doing in that game is amazing. Um, one of the things I've been thinking a lot about as far as like processing and reading and, and being deceptive and baiting is um, relative to slowing down. And you can look at it in another way. The best players, not only can they slow down, but they can't really be sped up. Interesting way of looking at it. You thought about that? That was a quote from Darius Kilgore. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way, but that 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 fits when you when you say it that way. It, it certainly fits. You think about great players and how in control they are. They don't they don't allow themselves to be dictated to. The uh, my friend Darius Kilgore um, talked about Casey Powell that way. That's why he said he was he thought the best box across player in the history of the game, which is a big statement, you know, because. Oh because he's an American, 
Um, but uh, he was like, man, I, we played a pressure defense and like, you could not speed that guy up. He just did whatever he wanted to do. And he was fast, no question, but, but he was never playing too fast. And really too fast is what gets people into trouble too fast rushing. It's like that old John Wooden quote, you know, play, what was it? Play quickly, but don't, don't hurry or something. But don't hurry. Yeah. Play, play quickly. Don't hurry. Yeah. So interesting. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, let's switch gears here and just talk about recruiting in this pandemic where it used to be 99% of the time you'd be watching people play live. And now it's a hundred percent of watching film. What have you learned from that? That I like watching live. That, <laughs> that, I, that I, there's an awful lot to be learned from watching players live. Um, you know, the nuances of what you can see and, and do. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I mean, you know, film film gives you the ability to see it over and over and over again, and look for the you know a different set of cues and yeah. and and, uh, and things that you might have missed on the on the first go round. So there's value in both. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. It, it depends. I mean, you know, I, I don't. I love I love watching a team. I hated when the NCAA took live scouting away from us, right? Because it wasn't like we relied. When I went to watch scout somebody live, I didn't take pages and pages of notes. You know, I wasn't like furiously ripping through pages to get out. I was going to have the film to go back and do all that stuff, right? I wanted to feel a theme, you know. Yeah. I wanted to feel them. I wanted to, you know, what 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 made them hard to play against? Were they were they kind of sneakily physical? Were they, you know, or or were they not? You know, or were they or were they, um, you know, a, a team that that uh you know that, that you could tell had had a great bond and 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 so in certain game situations would would respond in a certain way and things that you just couldn't get off of a film um, but you could get by being at a game watching a team play you know and, and listening and so I, I i i missed that a lot i really yeah. thought that was a, a fun you know it was it's not like you can't be prepared for games but it was a fun way to prepare for a game it was and then to be able to listen you know, that's the thing you, you miss yeah. out on. You can't listen on, on the film, you know, and, and uh, you don't really know. And the other thing that happens a lot, too, it's like you ever like prepared for someone. You're like, man, that guy's a lot more athletic than we thought he was because you can't really tell how athletic people are on film. There's no question about that. Everything on film's relative. And, and you know, so you can't tell if the guy you just ran by is a lamppost or, or a great athlete. So, you you know, it's it, it, it doesn't it doesn't translate that way. So. Yeah, being that that that's the biggest thing that you miss probably is just that that sense of the, the relativity of things. Yeah. But you know, it's funny. I, years ago, Jeff Nix was an old assistant basketball coach here for Digger Phelps, and and uh, then he went to work for the uh, a couple of different teams in the NBA. And and Jeff was a scout. He was he was an advanced scout, so he still lived in South Bend. Did a lot of a lot of work here at his home in, in South Bend. He'd fly to games and scout teams live, and he'd hey he you know he'd sit in his film in his in his living room and watch film. So I called him one day and said, hey, I'd love to come by and watch you, you know, your process of how you do this and what you do. And, and man, maybe the most boring, you know, four hours of, of my life because he just went over, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. What are you trying to Jeff, what in the world are you looking at? You, you're, you know, there's, there's, the guy's dribbling the ball down the court. He's literally, you know, going from the top of the key to midcourt, you know, with no pressure. And he's going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I'm like, what are you looking at? He's like, well, 
I'm trying to see the hand gesture that his coach is making. And I'm trying to, so then I'm looking at it and seeing, is he bringing the ball up? Does he adjust where he's bringing it up? Does he move to the right side of the court? Does he move to the left side of the court? You know, but, and, and I was like, Oh my God, you know, like the, the, the details that, that they went into for the scouting report. And then, you know, like, I mean, that's just, that's what their coaches wanted to know. You know, it, yeah. it's not like their players are processing all this no. in the middle of a game, but, but the coaches needed to know that so they could develop the trends of how they wanted to do things. And did they want to push that guy the direction he was going when he came over the quarter? Or did they want to fight him for that turf and try to force him back the other way or, you know, to disrupt what they were going to do next and things like that, you know, just, so it, it's, it just was very interesting to me. And it made me realize too, that in film, you can, you can get a lot of those things too, that you can, yeah. you can find different pressure points and things that, 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 that can be disruptive for a team. Well, as, as a division one coach, if you play a game and someone says, coach, how, how, how to go, you know, you can try to answer it, but until you've watched the film, you don't really know. Right. Yeah. 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 Either the ball went in a lot or it didn't, you, you kind of know that part, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, but you don't know a lot of times you look back at it and go, man, you know what? We had better chances than they did by a long shot, but theirs went in and ours didn't. And, you know, either they're better shooters or, their goalie played better or whatever, you, you know, but again, like you said, you know, until a film, you, you, you suspect a few things, but you don't really know a lot. So now you take that to recruiting and it's like, you know, it used to be 99% of just watching people and then you might follow up with some film. Now it had to be hundred percent film. And it's like, Hey, I'd really rather be able to see people live. No question. Well, Both it's are not a, it's, it's not hundred percent film, Jamie. And here's why. Cause again, I'm, I'm, you know, old guy, uh, in the room here, um, when I got into this, you, you, you were lucky if you saw your recruits play, right? You, you know, back in those days, you saw them at camp, right? Or you, or you, you know, but, but mostly you heard about them. You talked to their coaches. You talked to the opponent coaches. You talked to the kids who played with them and the kids who played against them. And you formed, uh, you know, uh, uh, your, your recruiting almost around that. Yeah, because because you might have seen them a few times, but you didn't you didn't get to see them at six different events yeah. on 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 two different teams and and and, you know, three individual events where they had to play on their own. And you could really form an impression of what this kid is as a player. So now with the film, we found, you know, we we, we thought early on, like, we got to go back to a little bit of old school recruiting here. We got to we got to do we got to get on the phones and talk to people talk about to people. the guy and, and, and see what they think about him and. And some of the stuff, the, some of the really good stuff you get out of that is you do learn more about a kid's temperament and competitiveness and some of those things that, no doubt. that you may or may not see in a given game situation. Um, but, but uh, you know, the, the people who are around them every day know that. And, and totally. Relationships with them, they'll tell you. I mean, when I first got into this, that's, that's how it was. You know, I, I remember those days too in the 90s and even in the early 2000s where, you know, you were recruiting seniors and you would watch them play over the course of one summer. There were hard, many fewer events. And some kids, you, you know, if they played on the Empire team, you got to watch them play a lot. And if, if they went, otherwise, like you said, they would show up at a camp. But, you know, it's really, you've got, so. Yeah, but, got, but think about the Empire games. You, yeah. you, you might have seen a kid play two good games in the Empire game. Right. I don't know. I mean, I think because you know, he played against New York City and they blew him out and you didn't you know, learn anything from that. And, you, you know, what I mean, like he, you might have seen a kid play two good games. And, and, and so, 
you know, it just wasn't the volume of, of, of what you get now. It just, no, no, totally not. And you relied on your network and you relied on, and you did, you would talk to a guidance counselor or a teacher, or you'd talk to coaches and you had coaches that you trusted and you believed in. And that still goes on to this day. I mean, there's definitely going to be, no, it's not like that ever went away completely. Yeah, exactly. But with early recruiting, it became the only thing you ever looked at was a highlight video. You'd see somebody at, you know, play eighth grade lacrosse, and then you wouldn't have anyone to talk to because we're going to talk to their youth coach. Probably not. You couldn't talk to their high school coach. Now that the later recruiting has happened, people have more time to do their homework and they've got more time to watch them play live. And they can now, and now with, with, with the video, I, I'm just curious if, if this pandemic is going to spur people on to balance out the in-person and the video a little bit more. Or do you think it's going to go right back to everyone on the road the whole time and not necessarily watching that much film? Good question. Uh, you know, good question. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I yeah. honestly, I can't say that I have an answer on that, but I can tell you, besides the fact my chair doesn't work, um, I can tell you that that's, that that's a, uh, you know, that's something I think you're going to see a lot of different approaches to. Yeah. And we'll find out. Well, so it's all on demand when you watch film. So, you know, you, you don't, you don't have to like, be like, crap, I don't really feel like watching this game or I got three hours to kill. You know, it's pretty much, you can just watch who you want to watch, what you want to watch. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, one of the, one of the things too, we, we found our staff, we sat together for hours and hours and watched film, which was, how did that work? It was good for us. And we, you know, we, we just kind of took over our team locker room where we watch film as a team we say, Hey, it's a big space. We can, we can distance and we can, and we can sit there and put it on the big screen and, and, and watch, you know, all these different summer recruiting events. And we did that for, for probably, you know, five or six weeks leading up to September one, just day after day, sitting there watching different kids and refining our, our, you know, sense of who they were and, you know, from the different events they were at and everything else. You're definitely going to get a more in-depth amount of information if you watch a lot of film on a, you watch a defenseman, you can watch their posture off ball on every single possession. Whereas when you're live, you might see it, but you're kind of watching other things. Right. And so you can't rewind it. Um, how do you think that that did for you guys, you know, back to the concept of, you don't really know what happened until you watch the film. Do you feel like you're able to vet players with the use of film pretty well? I do. I do. I think the combination of everything, we felt really good about where we were on September one, going into it. Um, you know, there, there's, there's so much that goes into the recruiting thing too. You know, there, there, there's certain people, you know, you love their game and everything else. And, and then you find out their, their, uh, you know, transcript doesn't match up with your university for, for one way, reason or another. And that's the end of that, you know, or you find out that they just aren't interested in, in either your university or your region of the country or anything else. And that's the end of that. And, you know, and so, so being able to pick your battles, I think is, is really important in all that too. And not, not waste a lot of time because, because yeah. man, the, the pace of recruiting this year, I think took all of us by surprise. Yeah. Why do you think it was so fast? Uh, I think, I think combination of thing. I think, I think there's, there's something to be said for uh, the idea that, since visits weren't going to slow down the process, in mm -hmm. essence, the kid wasn't going to say, hey, I need to take my five or six visits or, or five visits, to, you know, five official visits, and I'm going to make sure I, 
you know, visit these, these schools before I make a decision. And that, that allowed the kid to kind of hold everything at bay and, and let's, let's wait to, to get to that. And, um, you know, the, the, the visits were virtual. So either you had prepared something for that kid to, to see it or you hadn't, um, the, you know, that, 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 that led to kids kind of doing a lot of research up to September one, being prepared on September one that, all right, I've seen it. I've, I've, you know, I've seen all the things that they put in their video file for me to look at, you know, to, to, to form an impression of their program and everything else. Um, and then you combine that with the fact that for six months, these kids have been told, no, you can't do that. No, you don't have control of this. You don't have control of that. Um, uh, you know, this decision is taken away from you. Um, that all of a sudden they have a decision that's theirs and they can make on their own timetable and they can do what they want. And, and I think the combination of those two things just had a lot of kids say, you know what, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready on that first week to talk to guys and figure out what I want to do and, yeah. and make a decision because I'm in control of this. I agree. I, I, I think the, uh, the fact that without the visits, I mean, uh, you know, a trip to a Notre Dame football weekend, you know, it's a full production and you can't do those, you know, multiple times. Whereas now you could just hop in the car and go see four schools, make a flight, you know, check it out. You know, you can see it live, but you can, obviously not with the coaches, um, but that, that probably did speed it up. Do you think that there's, you think it was like faster in, in that first four weeks, but it would have been about the same after the first eight or nine. It's just happened faster, the same amount of kids, or do you that's think? Yeah, I'm not sure about that. That's not an interesting point, but I'm not sure. That's, yeah. It's very possible. I mean, I, I, I don't think at the end of the day, Jamie, I'm, I'm a little bit fatalistic in this. I don't think these things play out tremendously differently. Yeah. Um, in the long run, you know, I mean, kids tend to gravitate to where they're most comfortable and, yep. and, uh, and, and where they think the, there's an alignment with, with their goals and, and, and their personality and everything else. And, and, uh, once they do that, um, I don't, I don't know that that's going to change, in and, in you know, given how they went through the process, as long as they were somewhat thorough in how they went through it, yep. you know, they're, they're going to end up in, in a lot the same place, I think. For sure. Do you think, um, it's going to be a smaller, class of 2022 than there has ever been as far as well let me add one thing to what i said before i do think this i think game changer the game changer that was missing is visits because that level of comfort that i'm talking about that that alignment and everything else sometimes can be misrepresented in 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 other forms when you're on a visit you feel it you know it and 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 it's hard to hide what you are uh, what your experience is and, and, uh, for, 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 for good and for bad. So, so I think that, that, that's a big thing. That's a, that's a, that's one thing that could be a, a change agent and what we're talking about kids, you know, ending up different places. Um, 22 class. Yeah. It appears that a lot of people are going to take less kids and, and, and hold out that, you know, that certain number of guys, it really depends on your school. Yeah. Notre Dame's a, you know, we're, we're a private school. Um, we're also a school that has not just a tradition, but a, but a requirement that everybody graduates in four years. Um, you know, so, so our guys are going to have degrees after four years. Then, then they have a decision to make, not just do I have a year of eligibility and I want to use it, but do I have a year of eligibility? Can I afford to use it? Um, do I have a degree of eligibility um, and, and a job? Uh, do I want to use it, you know, or do I want to yeah. get you know, take this job in, a, in an environment that where jobs are hard to come by and good jobs are, are, are precious. Um, you know, so, so yeah, there's, there's, there's going to be decisions that every kid's going to have to make and they're not the same 
at every school. Yeah, no doubt. You guys have traditionally, um, you know, taken kids all the way through until the summer, you know, August before a kid's senior year. Um, do you see that being holding true that you guys are going to keep looking and, and when you see a kid you like next summer, uh, you know, you very well may take a kid. I mean, I'm not trying to hold you to anything, but just I just know that traditionally you've had a lot of late bloomers uh, or, you know, or, or kids have flipped or whatever. And you're like, you know, adding kids in the summer before their senior year. Yeah, I, I don't see that changing. I mean, I, I think that's, you know, our, our job is to is to continue to, to recruit, you know, the best kids that we can. Um, and, and, and when we think there's a kid that, that fits our program and, and that we know has a, an interest in us and all that, we'll continue to talk to those kids. Um, this really, I've, I felt very ambiguous about this until the early recruiting came around. And that really solidified my thinking on this. And here's why. Um, I don't look at this as anything other than this is the single biggest decision that this kid is going to have made in his life to date. Um, you know, with, with, with maybe very few exceptions. Okay. Um, he, he should have every right to make that decision until the day he has to put his name down on a piece of paper that, that commits him to that decision. And so the fact that, that some coach or some program or just the, the, the um, momentum of the whole recruiting process yeah. forces him to make a decision at another time to me, doesn't take away that kid's ability to continue to evaluate and make the best decision for him and his family up until the time he has to put his name down and, and, and sign a commitment. So uh, that's, that's the way I look at it. And that, that, that started back when, you know, for me, when I, I really had to kind of think about that hard when, when people were recruiting kids at, at, you know, ninth grade. And, and I was like, well, I just, I don't believe that a kid who hasn't chosen a high school can choose a college. And I don't, I don't even if he does, he's choosing it on probably, a lot of the wrong things and 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 he should have a chance to reevaluate that decision because circumstances change and 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 I believe that is true you know I mean gosh you you and I have both had teenagers living in our house now for a long time right yep. um you know there's a lot that goes on and a lot that changes in their lives even in a stable home environment um and so you know it, it, you just you got to they they've got to have the ability to to continue to evaluate and make the best decision for them. Yeah, totally agree. Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time to come on this podcast and uh, share, share your experiences, sharing your knowledge, sharing your philosophies. It's awesome. Thanks, brother. Always enjoy it, man. It's great to talk to you. Totally. Let's do it again. All right. Thanks, Jamie. <laughs>